Welcome to the Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history podcast, a series exploring the rich, nuanced history of Grambling State University, the city of Grambling, and the people who make it. This series is a collaborative project between students and faculty of the History Department of Grambling State University, as well as faculty from the University of Arkansas. The Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history project, has been made possible in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities in partnership with the Social Science Research Council. Additional funding was provided by the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Social Science Research Council, or the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. I am Brian McGowan, and we are speaking with Mary Forrest. You were Mary Hawkinson when you were at Wisconsin, is that correct? Yes. Yes, that was my maiden name. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I am an only child, and my parents were divorced when I was about four years old. I grew up in Wisconsin. I lived in a town called Menominee first, and when I was 10, my mother remarried, and I moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. My dad remarried probably before the divorce was final, and he married a uh, a woman from Montana who was a, a member of the Blackfeet tribe. They had six kids immediately, although I never lived with them. And for the time in between when my dad left and when my mother remarried, my mother was a uh, single working mother. And so I actually was taken care of by an older German couple that that lived with uh, in a duplex that we were we were a part of. So I was raised by kind of grandparents type of family. I grew up in a very white community. There really were not people of color there. And I lived there through college. And uh, I was, it's a long story, but I was uh, here and there and everywhere. And then I did move back to Eau Claire in 1989, and I was there until 2013. I now live in Dallas, Texas. I uh, have been married and divorced, and I had two children with my first husband, and his name uh, is Patrick Saad Farms. And my ex-husband, the father of my children, is uh, biracial. He is from Ghana, West Africa, and his father was Lebanese and his mother was Ghanaian. So my, my children are multiracial or mixed race. I'm, I'm not sure which is the preferred nomenclature. It depends on the time, you know, the day when I say it. But And I'm currently single and uh, I do not have any, uh, my, my, I'm very involved with my boys. One lives in Dallas and one lives in Oakland, California. I don't have any grandkids. At this time, you lived in Eau Claire at the time you went to college. Correct. Were there any other factors that contributed to going to Wisconsin, Eau Claire? Well, I was the first person in my immediate family to go to college, and it never occurred to me that I could apply to other places. I knew from an early age that I wanted to go to college, although I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so uh, I came from a even after my mother remarried, he was a blue collar worker and she was a pink collar worker. 
So I thought we were middle class, and it wasn't until probably after college that I found out that, you know, socioeconomically we were not of that status. And so it was, prim it was probably more money that determined me going to Eau Claire, but also just there weren't really professionals in my family, and no one else had gone to college, so it, it just didn't occur to me to go anywhere else. What did you study at Eau Claire? I ended up being a history major. I started out as a French major. I did uh, French in high school, and the first teacher I had for French did not, I don't know, she wasn't a very good teacher, and she never talked to us about studying abroad or any of that sort. And so I, when I was a senior in high school, we got a different teacher, and she's the one that said, well, you know, it's too bad that you didn't have a chance to study in France. That's really how you learn the language, et cetera. So that may have, you know, put a little spark behind me thinking of, of, of doing something of that sort. And I loved French, and I started college as a French major, but I was not very good at it, so I didn't stick with it. But when I started college, my plan was I was going to be a French major and be an interpreter at the UN. Now, I have no idea where I came up with that, but I knew I did not want to just stay around Eau Claire. I wanted to go places and see things and be a part of the bigger, bigger world. So I was a history major, political science minor, and probably because those were classes I did the best in. Also, my dad, even though I didn't have a lot of contact with him, he, and I said nobody in my family had gone to college. He had actually gone to college, but I never lived with him after the age of four. But he was a history major, and for a short time he taught, and then he ended up being a truck driver most of his life. So I don't know if, if his being a history major sparked that interest in me or if that's just what I, you know, did better in. I did take African history. And I don't, they did not have African-American history at Eau Claire, but they did have black lit, and I believe that it was two semesters. Now, uh, the black lit courses were taught by a white woman, and I remember having a discussion with her that I was interested, actually, at one time in majoring in black lit. And she said to me, rightfully so, that, it really wasn't a field anymore for white women to go into that it was, I'm trying to think of, not politically correct, but that, you know, uh, black students, African-American students were probably in a better position to be those majors and, and teach. And so I, I didn't change from history. Well, we're certainly glad, I'm certainly glad you stuck with history. That always warms my heart. Okay, I thought it might be. So when you were at Wisconsin, you decided to join the exchange program to Grambling. Why did you decide to do that? Well, it was actually the first semester of my senior year, and the semester before that, so it would have been second semester of junior year, I was in a black-lit class, and there was a white guy from a little bitty town in northern Wisconsin who was in the class, and he had been at Grambling the semester before. And he told me about the program. He thought I would enjoy the program, and 
that sparked my interest. I didn't know about the program before he mentioned it. So I I applied and I I had a job while I was working college. I worked about 30 hours a week at a, a local retail store. I think I had to do financial aid that semester because I wasn't going to be working. I, I can't remember that specifically. But now I will admit that part of the reason is I started dating that guy and I thought we were going to be dating when we went to Grambling and he was going to drive us down. And then about two weeks before we were going to go, he said he, did, he, he didn't think it was right for him to go to Grambling and be dating a white girl. So he broke up with me. <laughs> and uh, my mother was a against me going. She she was not in favor of me going. And I don't remember how it came about, but my dad and his second wife actually drove me down to Grambling. We drove from Wisconsin down. So. Okay. Uh, do you happen to remember the name of that student who introduced yeah, you I to sure the program? Yeah, I sure do. His name was Scott Anderson. Scott and Anderson. And he was from, yeah, and he was maybe a year younger than I was. He was a blonde Norwegian boy, and I believe he married a black woman from Grambling, but I'm I'm not positive about that. He, he was from what's the Hodag capital of Wisconsin. Uh, it might come to me later on. It was way northern Wisconsin. It was a very small town. He would have been probably fall or spring of seventy. Yep, here it is. Fall of 73. Um, if you said the name of the town, I would recognize. Or, uh, Rhinelander. Rhinelander, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe he, I believe after he graduated from Grambling, I think he may have moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That, that's the big, I think I might have had one letter from him from there, but I might be wrong on Milwaukee. But so you think it was that an he, urban area. You think he transferred to Grambling and graduated from Grambling? Oh, I know he did. I, oh, okay. I, I know, I know he transferred to Grambling. I, I don't know if he graduated. Now, one of the things that, that you may not know the answer to, so I apologize in advance for this, but one of the things that I've been trying to do and have not been very successful at is figuring out how the program got started in the first place. Do I you... looked it up. Oh. I looked it up. If you go to the UW-Eau Claire website, uh -huh. and if you Google if you just type in uh, Grambling Exchange Program, there is something that comes up, but I did write down part of it. Oh, great. And I can read you. Yeah, it began in 1970. And the guy's name was uh, Dr. Oh, Schoenfelder. That's not the name, but it, was, it started with an F. But anyhow, it began in 1970. Um, I'm reading a quote that I wrote, as a way to introduce students to new racial and cultural experiences. And then there was some other things that said, with the goal of increasing an understanding of regional, historical, and cultural differences. It lasted from 1970 through 1980, but in 1980, due to a lack of interest in applicants, the exchange program ended. There were 45 students from UW-Eau Claire that participated and 40 from Grambling. And at the time that, that uh, I applied, I believe there was one other 
uh, place in the United States, and I believe it also was a historically black college, but I, I, I don't know what school that was. So there were there were two options, and and like I said, I chose Grambling just because because I was dating this guy that, and and he he loved Grambling, he loved Grambling. Oh, wow, so. that's that's great. Yeah. Now you already mentioned that your your mother was was not on board with this with your decision Correct. to go. How about some of your other friends and family? Well, the only person that I remember that was opposed to it was my mother. And probably the my boss at work because you know she didn't want me to leave work <laughs> for a semester. This is something you know. My mother at one point in time told me that she thought I thought I was a savior of the black race, so she had a little bit of I know she had a lot of bias against it. And I do think that might be related to the fact that my father left her and and you know married a woman of color. I don't know that for a fact, but my mother grew up very poor grew up so she was a, a child of the depression and i i think that you know a fairly common thread of stream of consciousness or thought or whatever of people that grew up like that way is that you know that old i pulled myself up by the bootstrap <laughs> mentality and um I think that's why she was against it. I'm sure she also didn't want, you know, I was her only child and she didn't want me to move, you know, a thousand miles away for four months. I think it was a combination of things. Mm-hmm. And that's the only negative opinion that I remember about it. I think my other friends that I knew in college, and I worked a lot. I did not live in the dorms. I didn't live in an apartment. I lived at home. I don't remember any other friends being against it, and the people I knew thought that I would do well there, or that it you know, would be an experience. The next question I have for you is about whether the civil rights movement played into your decision to go to Grambling. Well, I, you know, I, I read that question, and I remember being aware of the civil rights movement. I was not an active member. I don't remember that being, I don't remember there being protests or that sort of thing in Eau Claire. Now, that could just be a selective memory or I wasn't part of it. I know that when I was at Eau Claire, there were African students and there were African-American students that were there. And there was a, a larger percentage, a larger number of black students at Eau Claire in the mid-70s than there are now. And so you know, I'm, the cliche is, you know, I had black friends. And so I thought I was, uh, they didn't have the term woke back then, but I, I thought I was woke back then. And uh, that played into my decision, but I, I wasn't involved in protests or anything of that. But I, I just, you know, and again, this was 50 years ago. So, you know, trying to remember where my head was at at that time is, is not the easiest thing to do. I was aware of the civil rights movement, but I don't think, I don't know what there was in the Eau Claire area to be involved in. There probably was, but I, I didn't know about it. So whatever knowledge I had of the civil rights movement was from TV and, and newspapers, that sort of thing. Because I don't think, I, I, Eau Claire did not have much, if any, of, of a black population. You know, we had one one black kid 
that was there uh, that played football in high school, and there was an exchange student from Ethiopia when I was in high school. Did did any of that change when you went to Grambling? I surprised me because before before we went to Grambling, the four of us white students met with whoever this this professor was. I didn't know him personally, and I didn't have any contact with him afterwards. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to hang out with any of these kids when I get to Grambling. And, of course, the opposite happened. We did spend a lot of time together. And even though I probably understood ahead of time when the black students came to Eau Claire, you tend to go more with what you're familiar with. So I remember being very surprised that that's what happened when I went to Grambling. Now, part of that, I mean, I know it's a question later on, but I had never lived in the dorms before. And my roommate was from Los Angeles, and she just was not there much at all. I don't remember why. I don't know if she stayed in another room. I mean, we didn't have any animosity, but we we just did not click at all. She had a life-size poster of her boyfriend up in the room, and he was not a good-looking <laughs> So uh, we just didn't click. It was one of those where it bothered me that I hung out mostly with the white kids, but that's that's what that's what we did, you know. More so, I mean, I went to some went to football games and I went to some social things. I remember going to a dance. I think Cool and the Gang maybe played one 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 time, and I remember going to that. And you know, and I did have some. I went out with a couple of guys when I was there, but that that's my remembrance of it. What was your daily life like at Grambling? Well, classes. I remember, I think that I, I took history and political science classes. I know that I took a history of Louisiana class, and I remember having quite a bit of interaction in the classes. And I spent a lot of time in the library studying for my classes, which, because I wasn't working uh, like I had when I was at Eau Claire, I had more time to do that. So that was a little bit different for me because in Eau Claire, like I said, I was working. Uh, They also had changed the drinking age from 21 to 18. So unfortunately, I spent some time in the bars in Eau Claire. And I, if there was a bar life or a drinking life or a party life at Grambling, I was not part of it or didn't know about it. Claire was a party college, and Eau Claire was a party town. And a drinking, that's Wisconsin, is big on drinking. I just don't remember that being the case at all at Grambling. And, again, maybe that was I just wasn't invited to parties. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't remember any of the other kids saying that they – they heard about parties or anything of that sort. I think that uh, church attendance was, was higher at Grambling. I remember going to the Catholic church once or twice. I went to Catholic grade school for eight years, but it never quite took with me, so I didn't have a strong faith. But I did go a couple of times. I know I went to the Catholic Church, like I said, and the one thing I'd never had happen before when I went to church is they said, you know, who is new? Who hasn't been here before? Stand up and introduce yourself. I remember that. But so that part of the experience or, the, you know, the cultural differences, I don't remember church being 
as pivotal a role as it was at Grambling. Okay. It wasn't that way at Oak or at least I wasn't a part of that. Did you find the classes similar to what you were doing at Eau Claire? I mean, obviously you were taking different subjects and things of that nature. They probably didn't do Louisiana history at Eau Claire. I don't remember a big difference. Like I said, because I spent more time in the library, my grades were better at Grambling than they were at Eau Claire. And I don't, I don't know that that was 100% because I spent more time studying for it. It seemed that they were a little bit easier, but again, I know I spent more time in the library or more time studying than, than I did at Eau Claire. And like I said, I can remember a political science class, and I may have taken two. No, I think I only took one history class. I don't know. I, I can't remember what. I'm sure I had four classes, but I can't remember what other than history and political science. I can't remember what they were. Mm-hmm. Broadly speaking, do you feel like you were accepted on the campus? I I do. I, I re, you know I had again people from classes were very friendly to me, and I didn't have any negative experience in the dorms other than that my my roommate was gone most of the time, so I was kind of in a single you know unit for part of it. I just remember it being. I was going to say quiet, that's probably it, but, but I don't remember there being, you know, like floor get-togethers or things like that. I felt accepted for the most part, though I'll tell you the one comment I do remember, and not a comment, but walking to the cafeteria, it, you had to, there was like a crisscross thing that you, you walked straight on the, on the sidewalk and then you walked back at an angle. And there was always a bunch of guys that sat on the on the brick wall that that overlooked where we were walking, and there was a little bit of a cat call, which I had never experienced before. And 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 it wasn't real negative or whatever, but I remember, you know, hey, mama, where you at? <laughs> and I remember that, but it, that's the only negative comment. That, that I ever experienced. Otherwise, like I remember there was there was a, a guy by the name of Cedric Choice who was running for some type of student government, real personable guy. And I just remember that he was the people's choice because his name was Cedric Choice. So I remember that kind of interaction. And I remember going to one dance. I, I don't remember other, you know, get togethers like that or anything. Did you engage in any in any interracial uh, dating relationships, or did you know anybody who did? I did. I did. I, towards the, I, I had, I dated about two or three guys on a fairly casual basis uh, for the, the first part of the uh, semester, and I don't remember exactly when, but I did meet a fellow that I had kept in contact with after I went back. His name was Andrew Rattler. He is now living. We we reconnected, but uh, you know we were pretty serious. And he was from northern Louisiana. I don't remember if it was Minden. And he took me home to meet his mother. And they were they were very very poor. He came and I, I he he told me that there was some organization in his town that you know sponsored him to go to Grambling. When I came back to Eau Claire, that's when I met the other fellow 
who uh, you know was uh, biracial ended up marrying him. So, and my mother said, you know, I said that might have been when my mother made that comment. But I, uh, so that was my own, I think, way of summing my, how do you say that? Anyhow, you, you know, going against convention. And what I, there is a question on here. Uh, did you explore the surrounding areas of northern Louisiana? I remember that a group of us, and it had to be some of the white kids and some of you know the black kids going to Ruston, and I remember feeling blatant racism from the whites in Ruston at that time. Do you well, remember just, how so? Well, I think it was just the, you know, turning and staring, and I don't remember specific comments. But then there was the four of us white kids did also go down to New Orleans. There was one kid, Stanley. I don't remember what Stanley's name. He was from Red Granite, Wisconsin, and he was he was a fish out of water. But um, he his family knew somebody in New Orleans, and so the four of us went to New Orleans for for a weekend, and the the family was like, "Why would you go to Grambling?" and it was a very uh, condescending comment. I remember that. Now, what I don't remember is how we reacted because, you know, we were guests there. Uh, I think we just said, well, you know, we really enjoyed Grambling or whatever. But that's that's what I remember. I don't remember any, you know, animosity from from any of the um, the black population. Like I said, other than a cat call from from guys and you know guys will be guys so so would it be fair to say that you viewed interracial dating in part as kind of a form of activism yes that was okay yes I, I think I do think so now you know like I said in my, in my innocence or whatever you know I thought that I was I think hip might have been the term back 50 years ago you know I I liked R&B music uh, I had I, so yes, it was a, it was a combination. I, I've I've tried to figure out when that first started, when I first felt attracted uh, to to black men, and I don't really probably you know Sydney Portier and you know a sister with love. I don't know if that was it or not, but uh, it was a combination of a an attraction and a, a, a social awareness. And and the term you used was coming coming my nose. It, it was probably a combination of all of us. I've I've tried to to look back at that, and uh, that's my my guess. What the campus dining was like. Horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> was what horrible. was your experience? <laughs> all I remember eating was cake. I gained about twenty pounds at Grambling because I didn't like. Spicy food. I grew up on German and Norwegian food, which you know doesn't have much seasoning at all. And I remember trying grits. Now, if I would have had brown sugar with me, I probably could have eaten grits. But yeah, it was it was very foreign to me. And there was a question on here about off-campus food. I don't remember there being any option for for off-campus foods. Now, maybe there was, but none of us had trans. You know, we didn't have vehicles. So that that wasn't an option. And something that I just remembered is there were 
students from Mexico there on an exchange program too. Were you aware of that? Yes, um, I haven't tracked okay. any of them. I just down, remember that. Yes, okay. back in the 70s, there were, uh, and even a little earlier in the 60s, there were a number of exchange programs that unfortunately okay. no longer exist. But um, yes, but I remember, and again, I hadn't really eaten in, in a school cafeteria, you know, at Eau Claire, I wasn't on the food program, and they did have, you know, some food things that you could purchase without being on a food plan. But, but I don't. Yeah, it it was not. I have to I have to share with you, and this is a question down later. But I did stop there on my drive back from Birmingham, Alabama, and I went into the cafeteria, and I I, I said, so is this a whole new building? And it was apparently just a remodel of the old one. But I I had a hard time getting my bearing there. It, you know, I, it don't looks actually, like I think it may be an entirely new building from when you were there. It was recently okay. remodeled last, a uh, couple, no, it was a couple oh, years ago. Okay. And that's probably what the, the, the student worker or whatever thought you were um, yeah. referring yeah. to. But I believe it's, the, I believe the building that is there now dates from the early 2000s. Ah, uh, that would make sense, yeah. But I would have to look that up. What kind of time did you spend in, in Ruston or any of the other areas? Is it a place you just went Not once? much. Okay. Not much. Not much. I, I, I don't know if it was more than one time. Okay. Uh, I, I just remember one time going there and, and feeling animosity from, from I don't know, if, if we went shopping, if we were in stores. I don't remember. I just remember that feeling. Okay. That, you know, we were a mixed group of kids and... They didn't approve. Coming in towards the end of, of what I've got here, what stuck with you about your experience at Grambling when you when you left, when you returned back to Wisconsin after that semester? Well, I, I, I was very involved with the students that came up the semester after I was there. Okay. And um, unfortunately, the guy I ended up marrying was dating one of the girls from Grambling, so... Uh, that didn't go over real well, and so we we lost contact probably after they they after they went back because I wasn't dating him while they were there, but I I started dating him after coming into contact with him at a party. But uh, but I had I had a positive opinion about rambling, and uh, you know I I tell people that that I you know went to rambling and. Like I said, I stopped in there just last last week, and I was just surprised that I, I couldn't get my bearings. I can't remember what dorm I lived in. I have a feeling it may not even be standing anymore. There's a good chance but, it's not. Most of the older dorms have been yeah. knocked down. Yeah, because I think it was old when I was there. You already have visited, uh, as you said, but my last question was about, mm -hmm. have you thought about visiting again? I would like to come back. Uh, I, I, I went on a Saturday. And so, you know, I couldn't get into the student union or the bookstore or whatever it's called. So, yes, I would like to do that. And um, just I've had some, the, the Carrie, I think her name is White, the yes. girl from, uh, the woman from Texas who gave me your information said she would like to go. And she lives in Texas, you know, maybe an hour away from me. So we would like to come and visit sometimes. The two oh, of us. well, so that would, would be, like we would love to have you. You've been listening to the Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history podcast.
a production of the students and faculty of the Gramlich State University History Department, along with faculty at the University of Arkansas. Be sure to listen in to one of our other episodes, and if you have a voice you would like to share or have a nomination for a voice that needs to be heard, please contact the History Department of Grandland State University for more information.